Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Vacation Dan. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish I'm actually, at, well, not at work right now. It's pretty late here in Israel, but uh-huh. no, not on vacation, unfortunately. That's for sure. I'm working in hot and muggy Tel Aviv. Cool. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. I guess not cool, hot and muggy. Anyway, um, we have a special guest this week, and it is Maya Shavin. Maya, do you want to introduce yourself, remind people who you are and why we like having you back? Oh, hey. Hey, there. <laughs> I mean, uh, so first of all, thank you for having me. And yeah, so I'm Maya, and I'm from the same place, like Dan, uh, literally in the same country, but we kind of away from each other. So um, I'm also from Israel, but I'm living a bit in the north. So like he said, I'm living in the edge. Edge <laughs> uh, <laughs> like computing type of, uh, of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. You're I doing edge computing. <laughs> that, right. that's, that's She's running the edge version of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running the edge version and I'm fixing windows. Wow, that sounds like a good deal of work right now. Oh, well, talking about windows, I'm working from Microsoft. That's in case you were wondering why I'm fixing yeah. windows. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's me. I, I work, I've been working in front end, um, web for about almost okay. 10 years. Yeah. So my son is having a lot of problems with his OneDrive account today. Can you fix it? <laughs> yeah, get right on that. <laughs> oh, God, it's just so hard. I, you, you, you don't know how many messages on Facebook. Okay, Facebook Messenger. I got from my friends since I started working at Microsoft asking about the subscription uh, conditions right. for OneDrive. And I was like, Excuse me, I work for Microsoft. I have no idea what OneDrive subscription is about, what time you have. <laughs> and I'm still myself, I'm, I myself still have right. no idea what, what subscription I have on OneDrive. So, yeah. <laughs> and one, and one, one funny story is a real story happened for me. Uh, when in the area where we live, we live in a small community. So one day there was a guy that uh, we was, me and my husband were driving and we were stopping there just doing something. And then there was a car passing by and the car stopped in front of my, my, my husband, like we, our car. And it just opened his window and asked my husband, so listen, who working for Microsoft? Cause my car have a Microsoft logo on it. And my husband <laughs> was like, um, she, not me, she, he. And then, and then I was like, uh, okay, yeah, it's me. So what's up? Why, 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 why can I help you? And they said, listen, I have a problem with my computer. My printer doesn't work. Um, maybe you can help me. And I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What you should do in those kinds of situations, there's a simple solution. Say, sure. It's a thousand dollars an hour. Where, when do you want to start? <laughs> See, I'm a smart uh, aleck, so I would have looked at him and said, neither of us, the car runs on Windows. <laughs> Actually, you know, who knows? Maybe the car does run on Windows. <laughs> Maybe. Be- before Good deal. We, before we started, I also mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, I, I invited Maya over and I invited her when we met on a conference. And it was, I think, the first time we met physically at the, same, at the same conference because prior to that, every time that I wanted to participate in a certain conference and didn't get accepted, I would check to see who did 
and I would always see Maya's smiling face. So I'm <laughs> sure she was like, you know, hogging all the good conferences and never leaving me any any ones to attend. But fortunately, I finally was successful, and you know, consequently, here she is. Oh, well, I have nothing to say about that. So thank you. <laughs> now, now I feel really guilty here. <laughs> right. The, the email screeners failed. Yeah. 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 You do speak at a lot of conferences though, right? Yeah, kind of. I try to limit it though. And you will try to limit it at once a month, but there's some break. But somehow I still end up with like average about once a month. So it's like 12 a year. That's that's a lot. Right? That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm I'm breaking my own personal record this year, and I and that will be around five or six. Uh, well, so, maybe I should reduce it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I try to limit it, and I told myself I probably would try to do at less as possible this year, and then somehow I end up with average like every month. I mean, I do have. July and August not doing any talk and then in the middle about March I think didn't do any talk but somehow when I calculate the whole year like 12 I was like oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you, I think your husband is the real hero here <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure that he knows that uh, yeah, he, he's like uh, another conference really <laughs> yeah let him know he's the hero he'll, he'll look at you and go well Took you long enough. <laughs> yeah, I went yeah. to I think fifteen in twenty nineteen. That was crazy. I mean, some of them were local, so that helped. But yeah, the record holder that I know, I think, is Tejas. I he, he told oh, me yeah. that he's doing, yeah, he's doing like thirty something conferences a year, the, which is <laughs> he's already like he's already the next level of, yeah, of being right. a speaker. So. Yeah. Yeah, Getify also, uh, Kyle also used to do a ton, yeah. as I recall. Yeah, he used to do a lot too. It's yeah. it's hard, at least for me, with my kids in school. I'm assuming it's the same for you, Maya. Yeah, same same thing. It's it's yeah. pretty hard. Uh, also, every time I go, I, uh, we have to literally um, abuse the babysitter to be with them a bit so my <laughs> husband can walk. <laughs> so. well, well, there's a simple solution, you know, the one that I use. I make sure my kids are old enough to <laughs> stay on their own. <laughs> right? Oh, well, that, but that, I think I need to wait for another couple of years to get my young, my right. kids are still very small now. <laughs> my oldest is 17 and I'm not ready for him to move out or whatever yet. So, my is like only four. So, I still know uh, how the trick, you know, the best trick is that everywhere right. you go, you make sure that they have a gift. <laughs> <laughs> I used it's to a do very that. cost, yeah, a, a very costly uh, solution, but in a Why? way, it is it? Yeah. Don't, don't they love the swag? Oh yeah, actually they do. I did bring the the duck, you know, in every conference where I chose uh-huh. for, I always chose the the debugging duck, and I bring it home and say, "Hey, I brought you this duck. Take it out." And yeah, my so kids they... passed down Microsoft jackets that I got at Microsoft Build. They had oh, nice. uh, teenager sizes. And so I, I got them, and they, yeah, they wore them for years. So I worked for Microsoft and had zero swag. Oh, except this one. And they oh. had to buy. Mm. <laughs> my favorite are my purple <laughs> Visual Studio socks. Those are fun. I, I, I have enough. I have, I don't know, something like 50 Wix t shirts. 
that I don't really know what to do with anymore. <laughs> Why? You have so many. <laughs> because It's going to take you a lot of yard work to get through all those t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> because, because, you know, if, if you want to guarantee a success of a project at a larger company, then you have to, like, put out a, a t-shirt for that project because then everybody who has that project's t-shirt has an incentive for the project not to get canceled. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Wait. So, what are we talking about today? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're having a good time, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this the the channel is going cheaper, right? So we can just talk. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of jabber. Yeah. 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 So, so you uh, you suggested a topic that I thought was excellent, Maya. Can you tell us what it is? So, um, yeah. So, yeah. well, I was thinking we can talk about uh, accessibility in component library for developers mm-hmm. from the developer aspect. Oh, it's more relevant to me because I mean, in Microsoft, they say we are crazy about accessibility and uh, I actually was in charge of the driven the effort of making sure that our product is compliant for my group for accessibility. So yeah, I've been there, done that, got a lot of headaches, so I have to put in a talk. <laughs> so, I, so I think that would be a great idea to, yeah. So when you say compliant, what mm-hmm. do you mean? Like it have to meet every single, like we have a documentation of all the requirements that come from, it match the accessibility, compliance, the in, like the wide area compliance. Um, mm. so we, we have we we call it Microsoft Accessibility something MAS. So it's, it's based on that, and they have like a a lot of like a whole bunch of things. Like what you need to do according in if your product is web based, what you need to do of your product is desktop based, or have voice, have uh, video, and uh, have a UI not without UI and so on. So, so it's a Microsoft thing, but it's based on industry standards. That's what yeah, I understand exactly. you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And of of course, also legal requirements, because we know that at least in some places, mm-hmm. accessibility is a legal requirement. Something that yeah. a lot of companies, you know, try to forget to their detriment. Well, they can try, but they. They will hunt them down for one another. <laughs> Unless you're so small that, yeah, like literally no com- no customer will even bear to sue you. But yeah, in, 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 in fact, it, you do. Yeah. At what at what point? So, and the second question is component systems. Can you elaborate on what exactly, <clears throat> sorry, can you elaborate exactly on, on what you mean by that? Are you talking about a specific libraries of components, just haphazard collections of components, something that com- that teams do or companies do internally or, you know, open source uh, libraries? What are you mostly talking about? Um, I would, um, I mean, uh, I would talking mostly about the high level of component library. So it can be also a component library that we did uh, internally in a team, like in a company, or it's a, it's like an open source product like Bootstrap. It can be anything, but it's more about 
uh, how you make sure that when you build a component library, it has to be accessible in that component library mm-hmm. in order for people to use it. There's a lot of, uh, let's say, a lot of a uh, maintainer or creator or developer that when you create a component library on your net, the thing is, okay, how are we going to make it reusable? How are we going to make it, let's say, responsive and customizable on this aspect to make other people use it or choose it to use in the project? But they forgot one thing very important that when people use the component, they need to make sure that this component, when they make together, it has to be accessible at some point. And uh, we all, we have so much, so many problems when we use external uh, library in our project and then we have to fix accessibility because they don't have accessibility compliance or they don't support it. Right. So, it also makes sense to me just from the standpoint of if I'm building something that per some legal requirement or even just because I feel like I want my thing to be accessible, mm-hmm. um, if it's already built in, if it, if it already works that way or makes it easy enough for me to just add an extra parameter or something to it, mm-hmm. um, I'm much more likely to make my app accessible, right? Because then I don't have to think about it either. I would go a step further. Uh, ideally, if you're using a good component library as the component library's user, I'm guessing, then you should preferably not need to think about accessibility that much, right? I mean, things mm-hmm. should be accessible out of the box. Yeah, that's I true. Agree. That's that's true. You but, would, you would only like you would still have to think it at some at the very at the very minimal F level. Like you t- you most likely would have to think about the connection, the flow, the user flow mm-hmm. where on the page or something. But you don't have to think about whether this table is accessible or not. So yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was saying was yeah, as much as possible, make it so that I you know I use the component it just automatically or magically or however you want to define that does the right thing. But sometimes I may have to add some element to it some way. And so when you do that, just make that as easy as possible. Now, we've had several uh, episodes where we talked about this. For example, a, a great one from I think more than three years ago is one that we had with Bruce Lawson. We should probably bring him on the show again. Oh, and, I love oh, yeah. Bruce Lawson. Yeah, everybody He's loves so Bruce Lawson. <laughs> I, met him, <laughs> I met him in JS Nation. Uh, yeah, and, and my talk mm-hmm. was also about accessibility in, in JS Nation. And so he went, went on stage and he actually answered some question for me, which is so cool. <laughs> yeah, Bruce himself is an accessibility expert. And we actually had him speaking about the fact that the platform itself, uh, the browser, uh, HTML, is effectively, you might even say, inherently accessible. And it's mostly us web developers, JavaScript developers, DOM users, framework users, who are, you know, seemingly doing our best to kind of break that. So <laughs> We gotta break everything, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Not me, it's my coworkers. And, yeah, exactly. And so the question that I have in that context is what is the current state of component libraries that you see? Uh, um, like if, if I go out 
and get some open source component library that looks good? Like, what are the what's the chances? What's the probability that that it'll have good accessibility? Or conversely, if I decide to build it internally, how likely am I to produce one that has proper accessibility? Oh, well, that's a very tough question, to be honest. Um, I mean, well, first of all, what exactly a good accessibility level covers? Like, that's, that's the first thing we need to define because uh, is this like matching on the Y standard, like, like providing on the component, uh, having a label or descriptive enough or something like that? It was it considered Accessibility good enough, or is this the 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 pattern itself is flexible? It's 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 also it's it really it, it's really hard. Depends on what are you seeking for when in, in when mm-hmm. you talk about component, like what expect, what specific use case. I saw, let's say, um, like check chakra UI. You you got probably know chakra UI, right? So chakra UI is one of the library that. They claim to be accessible, or at least the last time I checked them, they say they aim to be accessible. And what I mean by accessible is meaning that it's have uh, area label when you need to area have area label using semantic HTML when it's supposed to use semantic HTML, and probably have some focus or tool tips on you know, keyboard navigation and so on. Though, again. It's still not considered accessible enough in the standard of the person who use, um, like, at least in our standard. Because hmm. when we use it, we put it our, in our case, that can break. <laughs> Let's say, if you, if uh, we also need to check the case, whether when you zoom in of a, comp- of a page or a component, whether the, the components break or the whole flow is breaking. So I, it's it's very hard for me to give you a very um accuracy and like accurate answer whether component library here now is accessible at the good standard. But I saw I did saw a trend that most modern component libraries start to take put a lot of effort into make it at some certain level access acceptable accessible accessible like accessibility standard. So it's like with wire area and semantic HTML. They do try their best to provide you all these options. And then it's up to our, to the user to move in from there, to move on from there. So, so I'll kind of so. flip the question. Uh, pardon me, Chuck. I'll, I jumped ahead of you. Mm-hmm. I'll, I no, kind of flip, I'll, I'll kind of flip the question then. Let's say I'm doing a project and uh, I want, and I found a component library that I like. It seems mm-hmm. to have uh, APIs that make sense to me. Uh, I like, um, the, the examples that I see from what I've checked, I can actually implement our brand using that component library and so forth. How do, and I want to verify that it has proper accessibility. How hmm. do I go about it then? Ah, then you need to ask the library maintainer. <laughs> <laughs> they usually, yeah, usually in the documentation, they have to claim that what level um, accessibility compliance they have, uh, like A or AA plus or something. I mean, uh, at least I have to have some disclaimer about accessibility or a section in the documentation say that we provide accessibility support on this, this, and this. That's the only way you know. 
is otherwise or otherwise you need to check every single component that you use from the component library whether it's accessible enough for you. I mean, so, so yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, this yeah, is the question I was going to ask that uh, Dan preempted, and it's kind of the backwards way of asking his question is, is there a standard, right? So you're saying they're A or AA+. It sounds like there's a way to rate these, right? It, it it does all these things, and it doesn't do those things. And so it's, you know, it's this good, but not that good. Um, wh- where is that standard? Like, if I was going to build a library, where's the list, right? So I can say, yeah, we're this compliant. Well, the compliance is actually on the website, I think, uh, on the internet. You can, well, even ChatGPT would know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, you can go what? to the website, Waria Review. Um, yeah, so let's say. You're at Microsoft. You're required to trust ChatGPT. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I can tell you no. <laughs> we do yeah, everything so, so- with. <laughs> Sorry, I so my question is like for, so if it's an A rating or yeah, AA plus or whatever. Oh, here we go. Well, you sent a, a link over. Yeah, we'll make sure this gets in the show notes because yeah, I mean, I can imagine, okay, I'm going to build myself my own library, right? For whatever reason, none of the rest <laughs> of them are good enough or it's not quite what I want or I don't know. So yeah, the, this is what I was looking for is, okay, I can go and I can review it according to these standards. Um, oh, <laughs> that pay is pretty hard to read. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, well, it, it, it's the same thing. If you, uh, I don't know if the one in Microsoft is open is also publicly, but in Microsoft we have the same thing, and even harder. Mm-hmm. Like they actually display that what's uh, which the let's say in this case landmark. What exactly is the landmark? Accept, accept, and so on and so forth. Um, if you start in building a component library, this is the, the link I send is the starter. So it's the starter that you can go there and take a look. And usually there are a lot mm-hmm. of things there, but it's only a few apply to the web, say content, landmark, keyboard navigations. These are the three, um, I would say these are the three things that should be paid attention the most from the beginning. And then after that will be contrast, contrast. That the browser will scream at you if you're using Lifehouse. Right. So it, 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 yeah, you can take care of it later. It's more about the color and stuff. But is contrast really part of the component library? Isn't it some, mm. something that's usually a style that's applied over a component library? Um, well, it, when we build a component library, it's actually we're building some sort of design system in it. And component library is just the part where you implement like a Exposed to user to use it. So every every time when you build a component library, it's just it's not just about building a button. It's about uh, design how the button looks, and then you have to have your own style guide, the own um, the own mm-hmm. approach, design approach in order from there. Based on that, you build the component library. So every component library will have will have someone have a a set. Of style guide, uh, style guys, and which means have a set of palette, color palette, a contrast button. For example, notifications, toast not- notifications. So usually, no, we have one in info um, is okay status and error status, right? So this is the four state. 
So in every component library, you have to have provide a component toast notification, which can have this four state. And which this four state usually will come with different colors. That have to come from your own style guide. Style guide. And the, your style guide, first of all, need to be accessible. So the color really belong to the accessibility compliance for your component library, which contain the style guide. But then it's again up to the user whether they want to use your style guide or they want to use their own style guide. So. Right. So what you're saying is, is maybe the defaults for, you know, border width and the color and, and that kind of a thing. I'm thinking of Bootstrap, and I don't know why, because I've used like six other ones that I like better. But, you know, so you have your primary button and your, you know, whatever. And so those are all colors that meet the accessibility standard. But as Dan said, I can override them, right? I can right. go in and I can say my primary button is now yellow. And so if right. it's a faint yellow on a white background, then my styling isn't accessible, but the component library's default one is, and it encourages me down that road a little bit, maybe to have right. a darker, better looking button. Right. So so that's why I say that it comes back to the things that by default, the browser it can be accessible. I mean, the browser is accessible, but us developer who break it. So same goal with component <laughs> library. Now you can provide a perfect accessible component library that you still have a loophole there that somewhere the developer will still break it. I guess that another loophole that people might use or unintentionally, hopefully, (laughs) to accidentally break accessibility is the order of components on the page. Uh, Each component internally can have, you know, good keyboard support, but if I you know, order them in a weird sort of a way, then the tab order becomes all funky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the that's the next level. Usually, it's not under the component library control. It's, it's the next level more about the designer control. So when when we do the when we build a website something, we as developer cannot control the tab order. The one who controls the tab order, which is the right tab order, is the designer. But again, the designer control it, but it's end up on us because then the user uses it and say, okay, but this tab order doesn't make sense to them. Like I, we, one time we got some bugs that a tester tests our product and he played with the keyboard navigation and he think, if I do tab, I need to land on this specific button, not the other one. But I will, by, by design, our product have to land to the other one. It doesn't make sense, but yeah, this is the design. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's this this part is the part of where the tricky part, like which who is right. <laughs> One thing that I'll just use this opportunity to rant a bit. One thing that drives me nuts is that so many websites, web pages, or or apps, uh, not even web, um, use various sorts of two-factor authentication, where they send you a code. And they don't put the focus on the code field. So I start typing in the code and I'm typing nothing. And, and then I look up because I'm, you know, looking at my phone and typing the code and I'm happy and I press enter and I don't even look up. I press enter. I press enter on nothing. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm super annoyed with it. And I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, why didn't you just put the focus there? You know, it's so annoying. 
that and setting the default year of birth in various forms as <laughs> 2023. Like, I'm one year old and I'm filling your form. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, well, <laughs> that's not remind me of the other day when I fill up the form for the for check-in. And then they they start my year with 2000, I think it's 1990. And I told my husband that, oh, I'm going now. I finally can can scroll down only 10 years. I don't have to scroll down more, a lot. More before. <laughs> they, 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 they put the... No, not 99. I think it's like 2001 or something. I like oh, I feel really, really old every time I have to scroll because like, I'm very old now. I just go all the way yeah. back. <laughs> I think my favorite is, and this is on the iPhone, it's the date picker. So oh. uh, if, if there's a validation on it that says you can't pick dates in the future, well, if I have to enter my date of birth, my birthday's in December. And so what, what happens is I'll set December and then it'll flick back to the current month because December of whatever of this year is not a valid date. And I'm just going, yeah, but it's the first one. And so it's the one that I want to change first. <laughs> yeah, but I, that, to I, be I, fair, I, though, those aren't accessibility problems. Those are just... No, UI it's a usability to, problem. It's a it's different a user, thing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, the focus one is annoying. I know, I know how you feel. Yeah. We have so many bugs about the Foco disappear after we open some model or something. And uh, well, you know what? I I would like to say I blame React for that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening, guys? <laughs> Dan Abramov. No, it's it's his fault. no. It's no, actually, no. Abramov, Dan Abramov is no longer with React. Just so you know, I he know. actually he, left Meta. And That's why we can blame him now. He moved to next, right? He moved Sorry? to next. So no, I think uh, he moved to next. To Versailles? Did he also join yeah. Versailles? I don't. I didn't know. I don't know. I, I know that Adam thing. Adam Clark. I know joined Versailles. I don't know about Dan. I don't know. I know. I. It's interesting. Yeah, so who are we going to plan for anything in React now? No one there. Right. <laughs> yeah, but your point's well made with focus because if you can't see the screen, right? If it is. Because a lot of times there's a border around it, right? Because I'm not vis- visibly impaired or vision impaired. And so I can see the border and I, or, you know, it's not there. And so I can click on it. Or if I have a pointer uh, device and I, you know, if I can't use a mouse and I don't have a pointer device that I can use to hit it, then yeah, that becomes harder because I f- effectively have to scroll or find it some other way. Mm-hmm. And then, and also think about it, like it, we used to have a design in a couple of years ago, the design, it was one of the design pattern was that you remove the outline, you know, the, the mm-hmm. default outline of the button. That was like, it's like everything, every component library, I think they come, they were shipped with CSS that override the outline of the browser. Like they would just remove the outline entirely and thinking that that is something make the button looks nicer. And then it's everyone like, no, it doesn't make it better. It's make it not accessible. Yeah. <laughs> I can't figure out where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, that reminds me about, uh, I think I, I want to mention it before I forget that I think, you know, Microsoft in, uh, itself, you, you guys have this great uh, ex- uh, browser extension, which can be used <laughs> to, to track uh, the movement throughout the form. So you can see, like, you know, when you start tabbing or using the arrow keys, 
like where you go and it kind of draws it in as lines on on the on the page which is talking about accessibility mm-hmm. inside right this yes one. yeah i sent it in the chat also yeah that that was a great i mean we use it in at work to test our tap a tap order and it's it's the i must say it's a great tool it's have like three different kind of uh Testing mode. So one of them is the, the is similar to Lifehouse that is scan the, the page and then mm-hmm. it highlight for you that what is the arrow and they actually group with you group into a section and then they give you the description how to fix what what when what was the problem how to fix and how you can actually lock it into Jira or ADO and for 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 your like bug tracking. And then, the, and then, of course, the, um, the whole flow with the tap. Yeah, so uh, we, I really love it. It's like, it's one of the great tools that they really did for accessibility. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the ones that tell me, this is what you have to fix, right? Not just, hey, this is, this is bad, right? Yeah, it's, for sure. This is bad, and this usually solves it. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and thinking about that, is there a difference between working on accessibility for component libraries versus working on accessibility for apps, web apps, websites? Um, I mean, in a way, it's, I think accessibility for component is the smaller scale of accessibility for the app. So um, it's much easier in a way if you, if, if we, if, Compare it with these two, because um, the app when we're working with the app need a lot of things to to talk about. I also have to involve with the app a lot of different testing. Testing for component is much more simple, but testing for the app is also it's like you need to do a lot of manual test for component. If the lowest level of component, then it's easy. You have only one four different kind of uh, accessibility need to pay attention. And then moving on, you can do divide concur and moving from the bottom to the top. And you can make the, make sure that every page or whatever component be accessible. But for the app itself, it's more about user experience already. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more complex. And I'm also oh, wondering with the, with the, uh, application, if I upgrade my component library, right? It, I don't have any guarantees at that point, right? I'm assuming that the stuff they got right is still mostly right, but mm-hmm. is there a good way to, you know, when you run that upgrade and you change a whole bunch of things at once, maybe to make sure that all of this stuff is still doing what it's supposed to? Uh, you can do automation, I think. For automations, let's say um, Playwright, if you do end-to-end automation, so Playwright mm-hmm. have also you can use um, accessibility a test with playwright. So we have, we use something called an accessibility insight for package. Let me just look for it. I think it's this one. So um, you actually, st- uh, you did to me what I did to you before in that you stole my question because, <laughs> uh, uh, because that's exactly what I wanted to ask about was, is how you actually test how you automate the process of testing uh, for uh, accessibility problems because it's and and it's it's not just about you know upgrading your component library. Right. I mean, anytime you make any change in the user interface, 
you might mm-hmm. introduce uh, accessibility issues. So it's really yeah. a question of, of how you, you test for that. So you have to define the um, certain tests for, for like, what is the acceptable, uh, acceptable test for, the, for, for your component and for your app? And then the, I guess it's, it's, it's also is required time and effort. <laughs> yeah, building tests is always effort and hardly ever fun. I know a few people who enjoy it, but <laughs> like we had Shyalin as a guest on our show. I think he somehow enjoys writing tests, but other than than you know the, that rare minority, most people don't. And yet, you're always so happy when there are tests. Uh, oh and- yeah. You always feel like okay, it's, if you have some test, it's probably probably mean that you have it covered, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I've worked with people that wrote those tests, and uh, no, <laughs> I, I wrote tests myself, and I sometimes I just wrote it because it's have I have to write it. <laughs> it's that's the that's the yeah. It's, 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 I think every developer have that in there. So. <laughs> yeah. So you use Playwright for tests, and you're saying that there is uh, um something on top of Playwright that can be used for end-to-end testing that uh, is uh, revolves around accessibility. Am I understanding correctly? So there's something that you can use together with Playwright. So mm. it's the, the, the you can probably know about DQ, uh, DQ Lab. So the, the DQ Lab, they build a lot of tools regarding the accessibility. So they've been there. The package is actually used for LifeHow. LifeHow using the the package to build the dev tool, like the life, the life out check for accessibility. So, um, they make a lot of, they make a really good series about te- teaching about accessibility and also do a lot of pattern on it. And this package, um, this NPM package have also support for playwright. So you can, you can, um, plug it into your, um, end to end testing system that build on top of playwright. And then can enable the, the accessibility cover for your app. Of course, it's not the perfect one, but this cover um, the basic case for the applications, just like any like, scanning of Lighthouse or accessibility inside for the web, the extension one. Yeah, another thing that you might do, and I'm wondering if you think it might be a good idea or not, is when you build your end-to-end tests, then use, quote-unquote, simulated keyboard navigation to try to get between things Mm -hmm. and see that it works. Now, it it can make the thing a bit more fragile because if somebody adds a field in the middle, then you might, you know, everything might be correct. You're just not arriving at the field that you want to get to. But but on the other hand, you know, it, it verifies that things like tabbing still actually works. Or you might search for something and then tab from that to the next thing or st- stuff like that in order to verify and not just go directly to the one that you that you want to click or something like that. Well, that is something that I would say I prefer. I, I hope that one day we can use AI to help us with that. <laughs> it's, 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 it, um, but I've been working with accessibility testing for a while and 
I mean, even if we build a very good automation system, there's a lot of things that we cannot do automations. We still need manual testing and keyboard navigation is one of the things that is very, very um, fragile in, in automation and it's required human to do it. Uh, but also it's the level of developer. Like if you build a complex component, usually what I say to the team is that if you build complex, I have more than three uh, components in a component, then you have to turn up your, your mouse and start navigating through it using the keyboard and see whether it works for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's amazing how many developers are proud of the fact that they can use their favorite IDE just with the keyboard, but then don't bother to actually test the web, uh, web app or website that they built using just right? the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to use the keyboard with my Visual Studio. <laughs> That's for my problem with the offices. <laughs> I do, but I installed an Emacs binding, so... <laughs> <laughs> You're old school. Oh yes. my god! And, well, it yeah. could have been worse. It could have been Vim. Oh no! Please don't go there. <laughs> you just hurt some people's there. feelings. <laughs> By the way, I think the the guy that uh, created Vim recently passed away. No, really. I don't know. I, I hope I'm yes. not. I'm not. I'm hope I'm not misleading anybody, and you know, we'll get angry emails saying that I, I literally killed someone. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, but, he uh, did. But I think I he read did. it. He did. He just passed it's, away on the 12th of August this year. It's like when you see a so celebrity right. name trending on Twitter and you're like, did they die? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing, but it isn't funny. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's what real, really. I mean, I... Yeah. Yeah, well, wow. that, that should be one of my picks then. Um, yeah, to commemorate. Vim them. guy, whatever his name is. Graham uh, Mulena, how do you pronounce it? Graham? Oh, it looks like a Dutch name. He's a Dutch Bram, programmer. Yeah. Graham Mulena, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's him. It's him. Okay. So back to happier topics of accessibility. Um, <laughs> so I, I know that uh, watching some of your presentations on the topic, you talked about, and you kind of mentioned it when we were talking about the different levels that you work at, and it really, how it kind of falls into this whole concept of atomic design. Uh, can you elaborate about that a bit? Let's say, okay, so atomic design, yeah, is mean, uh, the whole concept is that you break the, the, the component to layer, um, sorry, uh, level and level and the atom into atom. So atom is the, like a super small cell, the basic one. So it's like a button or an input or an icon. These are atoms. And then it's, and then it's like a Lego block. It's more like a le Lego. And then you can build other components on top of this to make it into molecule and, oh, I hate that word. Organ, organ, organism? 
Organism, yes. I think the okay, one about, honey, about I don't, It's only very hard for me to pronounce that word without stopping a minute. I think that am I am I not doing anything wrong here? <laughs> so, so anyway, organism and from there have template and then page. So page there is more like a page. It's the full concept. So so for accessibility, the, there's also a lot of things, a lot of aspects to talk about and and we try when uh, when we talk about uh, matching into atomic design. I mean, in the atom, there's a component like a button. The button itself do have accessible accessibility, but it's, we don't need to really care about a lot of aspect of it. Let's say the tap order. The tap order doesn't matter on the button because the button itself is a single icon, a single component. So in this. In this component, what we can care is just the color, contrast. It's just um, the content, whether you have enough descriptive content and um, maybe a focus if we have a focus. So make sure that the component focus itself is focused. So with this and, of course, semantic uh, HTML and uh, layout. And for this, for this small component, if it sounds, it's accessible with this, with this criteria was set for the component, when you plug it together with another um, another component, for example, if I plug an input and a, and a button together to build some kind of an input form, then if the input itself is accessible and the component is accessible regarding the descriptive, semantic, area, and so on, these two put it together should we don't need to care about this aspect of um, accessibility and we don't need to care whether this is semantic correctly, whether landmark is correctly, or whether uh, the focus state of these two components is set correctly or not, because they should be focusable and they should already be covered from that. So what now what we can now check on this level of two components is navigation. So you move from the input to the button, you click something, you move back, it's still working. You type something on the input, what the button will be. Hey, this is like, this, this is like the, the level that you don't need to, to care about other things. You place on top of it and then you can check a more important things that only apply to this level and go from on and on. Another example is like building, um, a gallery, a, a, a product gallery. So if the product mm-hmm. card itself is accessible. So when you land on the product card, you know, kind of know that the product is already accessible and it so be, can be announceable. Then you don't need to care to check again whether inside the product is accessible or we need to check the flow inside. Now what you need to check is check the flow from one card to another card and whether the, you click on the card and if you have a modern from the product gallery. Uh, itself open. Then when you close the down, the focus return to that product card. And this is more like you build up. It's more like a divide and conquer concept. So yeah, it's divide and conquer. It's about um, leveraging reusability. It seems for the purpose of accessibility, because mm-hmm. once you've got the but, like you said, you've got the button atom working correctly, you can use that same atom. In various quote unquote molecules and you, and you know that mm-hmm. you're, you're guaranteed a certain amount of accessibility just, just by using, reusing that atom. And it's also about 
you know, properly thinking about the problem by, like you said, dividing and conquering according to the levels at which you're currently operating. By the way, I, I recently uh, spoke at a conference called uh, Front uh, Zurich, and uh, the keynote speaker was uh, Brad Frost, who actually wrote the book Atomic. Oh Design. yeah, this, he's the author of the, of the whole concept. <laughs> yeah, he is the creator of the whole yep. concept. Yeah, he's, and he's a yeah. great speaker and a really nice guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I also want to to meet him one day. Hopefully, we will meet each other in one of the conferences. <laughs> so yeah, I got you on that one. <laughs> Beat you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next year, when is your piece? <laughs> I mean, um, cool. in other hand, it's atomic design is really great. Like if you build a template, like there's a part when you build a template and then you build a page on top of template. If you build a template, they sell it's accessible. So if make it building a page from the template would be much easier. And this is also another aspect of reusable for accessibility. So speak uh, so far, um, is there any other important aspect of component system for accessibility that we've not touched on that you want to, to mention? I think we talk about, oh, we talk about the focus, we talk about the building from the bottom. Um, we also talk about testing, but I think we need to talk about that developer mindset. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, so I mean, here I'm, uh, it's also for my own story. Um, until the last couple of years, I honestly I didn't care much about accessibility, and I I know that a lot of people, so a lot of developers still we know about accessibility is there, but we don't really care about it, or we don't think like when you develop, let's say we develop a component, the most thing I heard even now is that who cares about accessibility? It's only one percent of the people of the user in the world, right? So uh, I can just make something fast, faster, uh, POC much faster, deploy much faster if I don't care about accessibility because it took a, a week, two weeks, or a month to fix anything regarding that. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about like what 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 do you think that it would be a good idea to make developer more involved into accessibility? My take on it is is as follows. Um, like we kind of discussed when we mentioned Bruce before, uh, the underlying system is effectively inherently accessible. So it's not about developers having to implement accessibility. It's about developers not breaking or ruining accessibility. Right. And it seems to me that it's much easier to make sure that developers don't get in the way of accessibility from the get-go than trying to fix a lot of accessibility issues uh, later on in the process. Uh, on top of that, I also think that, um, like we kind of mentioned before, it's also a legal issue. Uh, and these days, you can get sued if you're not properly accessible. And it's not just uh, Microsoft, if you're a Microsoft or a Google anymore. There are literally companies out there that are checking websites and, and are suing companies intentionally for being not, you know, not being accessible. It's actually happening. 
So, and, and also think about, let's say you, uh, you're a company that, you know, you're a startup, you might think I don't have resources for that, but you know, you might need to undergo due diligence for raising additional uh, investments or M&A or thinking about going public. And if you're not accessible, that can get in the way of that process and it will likely happen at the worst possible time. So my take on it is that accessibility needs to be one of those things that's front and center effectively from the get-go and then if you you know you have the proper mindset it shouldn't be that hard if if you do it from the get-go that's at least my yeah opinion. i yeah i mean there are two different things to talk about here and i think Dan, you made the case for why you should have a mindset that includes accessibility, especially from kind of the liability end of things. Um, you know, I've, I've had people try and, you know, explain things and kind of give you a guilt trip for not doing it because it's just not fair to people who have disabilities. But the reality, at least at that point, and it's becoming less and less this way, but the reality at that point was it was an extra thing you had to do and a lot of folks didn't want to invest in it. Um, but what I found is that until, you know, your, your startup company that's next, you know, next door to my startup company gets sued for website accessibility, it's just not going to be on my radar. Right. And, and I think most people operate that way. And so from where I, where I'm coming from, typically the way I've seen some of these things come in, like TDD is, it's not as much a big thing, but it used to be a big thing in the Ruby on Rails community. And the reason was, was because there were a handful of people out there that were uh, doing the work to to evangelize it, right? And a lot of people in those communities were joining things like uh, software craftsmanship movements and stuff like that. And so what I think you have to do to get people to adopt the mindset, because I don't think you can scare people into it, but I think if you can make it kind of the, regular MO for a person who's doing React or the normal way of doing things if you're writing Vue or if you can make it, you know, this regular thing where when you run your tests, it also says, hey, we've got these automations for accessibility. Do you want to add them in? And then it raises stuff, right? You you bring it to the forefront in another way and you market it to people in a way that it's like, hey, look, this is just the way we do things. This is the React way. This is the Next.js way. This is the uh, Redwood JS way, right? Then it becomes a different conversation because then the question isn't why, you know, it's not, you know, why, you know, why should I do it? The question becomes, why aren't you doing it? Because everybody else is. And it's tricky to create that kind of a movement, but that's the only way I see it really getting wide adoption is, is if it's at that point. I think it kind of also depends at, at, you know, at the level of the person that you're talking, speaking with. I mean, you're unlikely to scale, scare a developer about the, the legal issues, but you mm-hmm. might scare your uh, CFO or CEO uh, maybe. into um, in- enabling you to invest the extra effort or you know, to, to allocate the required resources to, to do it properly. Um, I also think that it's also a question about, you know, missing out on a large potential customer base. I mean, thinking about myself, you know, my eyesight, unfortunately, is not what it used to be like 15 years, 10, 15 years ago. And 
Um, and I often find myself zooming in web pages. Mm-hmm. And I every time I encounter a web page that prevents zooming in, then that page is dead to me. Uh, <laughs> that, that website is dead to me. I won't do it. No, anything. it makes sense. And and you know, I'm probably in the category of people that you want to target when you're trying mm-hmm. to sell things online. So you know, you know, you you know what? That's the thing. Actually, that's that's the one very good. Uh, you mean all of your insights is very very good because thank uh, you. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I Dan will just I, buy his vacation <laughs> somewhere else. Exactly. That's By what's going to happen. By the way, exactly uh, true. Yeah, that that's actually you know what uh, when I started Microsoft and uh, I got uh, they gave me the the the, the test to be to take care of accessibility. And one time we have a bug on two hundred percent and four hundred percent zoom. So this is actually in the compliance level, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Who zoom in? No, every zoom in, they will care about four hundred percent." Okay, so like it's really literally too large. But then it, you actually can see the use case when your parents or even if someone with classes have to zoom in. And this is valid because I also abandoned a lot of uh, things like that. It's, it was a mm-hmm. very valuable uh, lesson for me when I start um, talk, working with accessibility. You got it. Yeah, yeah I, I think you can make the case in some cases. I, it, it's probably easier in some cases than others. So um, just just to make the point, right? I mean, if you can tie if you can tie the people that aren't coming back to your accessibility, that's a lot easier case to make than the people who just bounce off and you just never really know yeah. or people who don't come in the first place. The other thing is, is that... But um, that's really if you're, hard to do, unfortunately, by the way. You it know, is. People, it's really hard to do. And that's that's why I'm saying, you know, I, I understand you're talking about the incentives, but the reality is, is that um, the experiment is, do I when I allow Zooming, do I sell more stuff? And, you know, I, I don't know how much work that is to make that work, but, you know, that's that's how that's I would make the case to my boss because they want <laughs> to see the numbers. That's the funny thing, though. If you check many, most of the sites from my experience that prevent Zooming, do it uh, for... They, they uh, actively do. Dis- yeah. they, they, they need to actively disable it. And so right. know, the web by default enables Zooming. In fact, one of the reasons where I often prefer websites to various native apps is the fact that you can actually zoom without set changing some system configuration. Mm-hmm. You just pinch and zoom and it works. And and I, it's so annoying when websites actively disable that for big for uh, mostly <clears throat> sorry for layout issues because they decide yep. that, that the website doesn't mm-hmm. look nice when it's zoomed. By the way, yeah, the, exactly. the thing that I probably <laughs> hate the most it is on the PC when uh, or the Mac when you do like the uh, command plus in order to zoom in. And then with some websites, they actively make the text smaller as you zoom in. So you're actually trying to zoom in and the text, instead of getting bigger, gets smaller. <laughs> I've, I've run into that. And then I've run into it oh where you God. try and zoom it the other way and it'll come back to zero zoom. And then you start going the other way and it gets smaller that way too. <laughs> yeah, so it always gets smaller. You can never get bigger. 
<laughs> it's it, yeah, it's it's crazy. But uh, this has been really, really fascinating. Um, and you've given us some good resources, I think, Maya, as far as like where to look and how to approach some of this stuff. Um, but if people want to know more or reach out to you, are, are there good ways to do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm on Twitter. I think it's <laughs> <X>. Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say that whether I'm saying X, I feel like I'm saying I'm in the X file or something. So you're like, okay, um, it just doesn't come natural. I like the word right. Twitter better. So uh, yeah, I'm I on still Twitter. Just Twitter. Uh, yeah. Just on my name, Maya Chauvin, on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Nowadays, everyone ship to LinkedIn. So you can also find me and on LinkedIn. Microsoft owns LinkedIn. <laughs> yep. Let's not just dig into that. And the fact that it's also on GitHub and the fact that it's also on NPM and a bunch of other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Maya, I've but been yeah. having trouble with my LinkedIn. You think you can I, I, do me a solid? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, well, I have no idea how. Um, you know what? The other day, that someone uh, I I have to ask someone to help me how to find my QR code in LinkedIn, and I work with, and the person say, "But you work for Microsoft. Why don't you know how to use LinkedIn?" Okay, <laughs> that's right. that my case. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna push us toward picks. Dan, do you want to start us with picks? Okay, I'll go for it. So there have been a couple of interesting things going on on X, Twitter, whatever we decide to call it. Um, so we'll call one, it Twix. Yeah. Are you one, a right <laughs> Twix or a left Twix? Yeah, exactly. So one interesting thing. Uh, so there was this whole Twitter storm that uh, started when uh, DHH from Rails Infamy <laughs> uh, posted about the fact that they're dropping uh, TypeScript. And by the way, TypeScript also comes from Microsoft. <laughs> so that's true. Uh, Anders uh, Heilsberg. Yeah, exactly. So he yeah. doesn't like TypeScript anymore. And effectively, they uh, did. They they had TypeScript. Uh, they were using TypeScript in a project, and then effectively in Turbo. Just, in Turbo, and they. I by the way, I'm I'm not really familiar with it. Turbo Eight, something like that. Uh, um, and they just removed type, all the type information. Um, and it started this whole uh, Twitter storm with people like uh, 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 Theo responding, and also uh, and and many others. Um, mm-hmm. And and it got really, uh, you know, the like in in on Twitter, everybody's so relaxed and so chill. Wait, 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 <laughs> and, and wait, nobody ever wait, says wait. anything <laughs> offending. Everybody's can, can ever professional <laughs> about it. Can we get a Wait, does Microsoft own Twitter? Talk- <laughs> no. Are you talking about Twitter? Are you talking about Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it, it got really personal really quickly. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, anyway, I, I would love to have uh, some of the people involved uh, on our podcast if we can somehow swing it because I think that there are a lot of um, good takes being made on a technical level, it, and it's really unfortunate that it got so uh, uh, personal. Yeah, that's that's let's put it this way. Uh, I guess it's kind of unavoidable, at least on Twitter, but it's still unfortunate. Um, yep. So that I that invited in- David to come on the show, so we'll see if he. Oh, wait, bites. I just I just wanted I just want to ask: like, is there any? 
any day, any week that we don't have a Twitter storm, it's like a quickly Twitter storm as far as I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. What you know, it 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 helps to relieve the boredom. And, you know. Yeah. Stress relief. Stress relief. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Anyway. So, by the way, just as a quick note. Uh, I I kind of you know because I could I kind of shit tweeted but it's only it's kind of tongue in cheek but it also has some truth in it the fact that I'm most productive when I use JavaScript instead of TypeScript but everybody else uses TypeScript so that way I get all the all the proper types in my code but I don't have to worry about it and it's kind of like you know with tests I'm most productive when I don't have to write tests but everybody else does. And you know, and and so forth. Anyway, so that's that's my first pick. I don't know how is that like think. herd immunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't. By the way, I'm no longer a COVID virgin. Uh, I got. Uh, I I you know <laughs> probably I I probably had COVID before, but it's the first time that I actually tested positive about uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, happily okay. for me, happily for me, it, it I had it very easy. So I was like, you know, I, I wasn't even coughing. I, I just had, uh, a, and, and even hardly any fever. I was just tired for three days, which mm-hmm. I guess makes me really lucky. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that's, that's, uh, another thing that happened. It's not exactly a pick though now, is it? Oh, uh, one <laughs> thing that, that easy actually, COVID, that's your pick. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's not something that you can really pick. You get what you get. Right. Um, but uh, and I know some some you know and and there's no judgment here. I know some great people who who suffer or suffered a lot from COVID and are still even suffering from it from effects mm-hmm. of long COVID. So yeah. Um, so um, and another interesting thing that I saw on on, on Twitter is uh, Maximilian uh, Maximilian. That's how you pronounce it, uh, Fertman. We've actually had him on the show, as I recall. Um, so he actually put out an interesting thing. He used some AI to have to translate one of the, a video into Portuguese. And the funny thing is, wow. he, he doesn't speak Portuguese, but in the video he does. It's kind of mind oh, blowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll I'll post a link oh. to that. So it's uh, like it took his voice and mimicking it in a way in a Portuguese thing. Yeah, exactly. You you press wow. it's it's he's literally you 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 look it looks as if he's speaking Portuguese. Now he says that it's still expensive. Uh so he just did a small clip. So I guess it's it's something that you pay by the minute or something. But he he says that this will likely changed a lot of things for teachers and content creators and whatnot. And I'm guessing that, that it will. So that, that's, uh, my second pick, uh, for today. I'll, I'll post the link for that. Um, and, uh, other than that, the ongoing war in Ukraine helped the people of Ukraine and the ongoing struggle in Israel for Israel to remain a democracy. So, uh, support us. <laughs> we in probably that. have another election soon, huh? I unfortunately, <laughs> from my perspective, unfortunately, probably not soon enough. Uh, but that's well, my own. But that's my <laughs> own personal take. And our oh, politics. Our listeners yeah. are free to 
to have their own. And that's actually the thing that I'm fighting for is for that freedom to have your own opinion. Uh, and, and yeah. So anyway, those would be my picks for today. All right. Um, I'm going to throw out my picks here real quick. Um, I'm going to go fast. That way Maya has time before I have to run away. Um, I usually do a board game pick. Um, but lately the thing I've been playing, I've picked it before is risk legacy. Um, I've been playing it with my friends. Um, I have a couple of really good friends. Funny enough. Um, we, the three of us get together on Wednesday nights and so do our wives. And so anyway, <laughs> uh, one, three of us at one house, three of us, at the other. So anyway, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, we've played two rounds now. Um, I don't have to tell you who won. It was the smartest player both times. It's really um, difficult, though, to play Risk all the way through now, isn't it? It takes a long time. It can take a long time. It can take a long time. This is Risk Legacy. Um, and so Risk itself, like the original game, you're usually trying to play for World Conquest. And you can win a round of Risk Legacy that way. Right? You eliminate all the other players. Um, but effectively, you have these bases. And the bases are worth a star. Um, and so you have to take, you have to have control four stars in order to win. And so the round often gets over before anybody has world conquest. And since I had won the first round, I was at a disadvantage to win, but they dragged the game out long enough for me to actually, I was at a disadvantage because I didn't start with a star because I had won a game and they did, both of them did. And so they had dragged the game out long enough for me to actually acquire a star and then take the other bases, and that's how I got four. Mm. So, I remember playing a long time ago uh, in the university. When I was in university, we would sometimes meet and play Risk, and, and, mm -hmm. uh, but we were usually something like six people and did play for world domination, and it would yeah. take hours. It takes a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. play if you Risk, wanna... but I... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just say I didn't play. I think I played Risk One, but I played Catan more, and it also oh, takes very long. That's, that's a fun one too. Um, yeah, the Risk that I really like. Maybe I'll pick it um, if you want a game that has a time element to it. It's the Lord of the Rings Risk, and oh, the the nice. time box element is is that the ring moves towards uh, Mount Doom, and so when the ring gets there, the game's over. So it who so, has the most before the ring is destroyed or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the scoring was, but it was something like that. And there's and, a certain element of cooperation too, because I think certain things have to happen before and, the ring and gets why, Mount Doom or nobody wins. And why don't the eagles just take the ring and drop it directly into Mount Doom and be done with it? <laughs> right? <laughs> now anyway. you just find a way to push out the game. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so a few other picks. Um, so you, if you're watching the video, you can see that I actually have my green screen up. I've got some code behind me. Um, it's showing it mirror image reversed on my, I don't know if it's doing a, a no, it's, no, no, ours. Uh, it's not backwards. Ours, no, okay. it's not. It's proper. No. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm, by the way, yeah. you have a bug on line four. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write the code. Sure? It's, it's no, I'm, 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 not, I'm just joking. Uh, I have yeah. no idea what the code says. But I'm pretty sure there's a bug there somewhere. I mean, you know, it's code. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's code. 
The only the only code with no bugs is no code. So yeah, it does look so, like jQuery um, or something. Yeah, I think it does. But uh, yeah, so I've I've been pretty happy with the setup here. Right, a jQuery. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm gonna pick the green screen. I'll I'll put links to all the stuff that I've got in here. Um, the real trick to a green screen is the lighting, and then I'm using the uh, Blackmagic de- uh, Design uh, ATEM Mini. And so uh, Jack Harrington actually mentioned it in one of our episodes, and so I went and got it because I'm I'm liking it, and and it it's done a really great job for I me. I like Jack. Um, yeah, I do too. And then um, yeah, getting into politics, um, I'm actually going to be running for state legislator legislature. Wow. Uh, We had a seat seat open up. And so they're having a special election. It's with, it's, uh, within the party because we're replacing a Republican with Republican. So, so I'll be running and I have to. Congressman Chuck? No, it is, uh, Utah State Senate. So, so Senator Chuck. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I, I will know how that goes probably by the middle of November. So. Good luck. Anyway, just just kind of fun stuff. All right, Maya, do you have some picks? Uh, yeah. I mean, I that took me by surprise, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I have one pick. So three weeks ago, we got hit by a pig. No, well, it's the normal thing in this world, by the way. <laughs> we got hit by a wild pig, a huge pig, a boar. Oh wow! It's a wild pig. I don't know what it's called. It's, uh, like- it's a wild wild pigs are called boars, right? Uh, I think the males are. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, we got hit, and it's on the on the side of the of the car. I said so the side of the car. So, uh, so my my pig is my car. The Skoda. (laughs) We have a Skoda. A a Skoda. I forgot about that. (laughs) What Korea? Yeah, the Skoda Korea. It's it's like the the heat was really strong but somehow nothing happened everyone is safe the whole family is safe in the car mm-hmm. and all it did is it bend a bit on the on the side and the car continued moving all the way home it took about i think it's from two three kilometers from home so it, oh, wow. it was pretty dark and um it got the in the front the only thing got broken i think is the water and and the light and the sensor, so it always thought that, that I'm trying to, I'm trying to reverse something. But, but other than that, everything is safe. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I cannot imagine how it would happen if the, the, the whole car would come mashing with own fire bus was stuck in the middle of nowhere. In the oh, north. wow. Yeah. 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 You've got some interesting roads up there. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you go in the middle of the road, you saw the whole, the uh, whole line the of the whole family. Yeah. yeah the whole, some, you saw uh, the whole family of some empty pigs. roads. Yeah. The, the yeah, worst we get around pigs. here is the deer come down off the mountain. People it's, run it's, into it. it's like when we were touring uh, in uh, New Zealand a while, uh, not New Zealand, sorry, in Tasmania a while back. And I rented a car with roadside assistance, which means you can call mm-hmm. them and they will come and fix your flat or something. But mm-hmm. then I realized that as soon as you leave whatever town you're in, you immediately have no reception. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. Then you drive for like yeah. two hours with zero reception. So, yeah, it's great that I have roadside assistance. 
So yep. I think you do have like cell coverage in in all places. Yeah, there, we have right? we have fiber, you know, fiber. Wow, you've got. I only yeah. putting fiber, fiber in here. I have fiber. It does work sometimes. It does I'm work sometimes, but it's. <laughs> I mean, so I cannot pick it because it's still well, like somebody I, I live in Tel Aviv and I only got fiber like about a month ago. So, you know. Oh, I got fiber like a, a year ago. ago. I got it. I yeah, got it. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I need to wrap us up. Uh, thanks for coming, Maya. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. All right, folks. We're going to wrap it here till next time. Max out. <laughs>